Welcome to Breaker Culture Weekly. The guys from BreakerCulture.com help pull back the curtains and give you insight into the hobby. Sit back and enjoy interviews, product breakdowns, and hobby analysis so you can get your edge in the marketplace. And now, to the show. What is up? This is Ty from Breaker Culture, and this is episode 56 of Breaker Culture Weekly. Really excited to have you here. Shani and I are both back in the cockpit today, uh, recording from our prospective offices, and we do what we normally do. We cover all kinds of different topics, and we do our best to integrate the hobby into that conversation. It's like you're sitting in the back seat, just chilling with us. I don't know why you chilled us in the back seat, but you get the picture. Today's fun, and hope you enjoy the podcast, and uh, it's pretty fast-paced. For an hour, it's a pretty fast-paced podcast, but anyway, if you didn't get a chance, earlier this week, I released episode 55, kind of a special edition, one-off, really data-driven podcast focused on 2019 Bowman and 2018 Bowman Draft and the ladders that we put out for those. And again, those pricing ladders are meant for you as collectors to get a better vibe, a better understanding of what's really happening with prices in the secondary marketplace. So check it out. I was surprised with the positive feedback um, uh, and really the interest in a podcast like that. I guess I, I'm selling the listeners a bit short. You guys are a little bit more data-driven, uh, geeky than I, than I expected. So we'll have to do these more often. Um, in fact, we just put out the 2018-2019 PRISM basketball ladder volume number 11. Seriously, 11 volumes, 11 editions of this. And you can see the transformation, the evolution of players over the course of the season as you look at the charts, as you look at the uh, kind of the cumulative information that we put together there. Really helpful. I hope you, you get a lot from those. The basketball ones are obviously popular. And they're even more popular now because if you don't know Gary Vanderchuk, go check him out at Gary V on Twitter. Pretty popular social media presence and a very popular podcast as well. But he talks a lot on his Twitter feed about his um, his proclivity, his interest in sports cards and how he sees them as a, a an investment medium. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's, follow him for sure, but he, he talks a lot about his investment uh, ideas around silver prism basketball cards. And he's been dropping a lot of money in the Greek freak in his silver prisms. So yeah, it's, it's bumped that market. I, it's no doubt it's bumped the market. So uh, it's a good thing for the hobby. Uh, we were already in a bubble. Now we're even in, in a bigger bubble. So yeah, yay for us. But uh, go go check out the Silver Ladder. Gain whatever insight you can from that. And maybe we'll do another one-off podcast in a couple of weeks about the NBA market and uh, the data that we're seeing there. But other than that, enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for following us. Check us out on BreakerCulture.com and Breaker Culture on all social platforms. We'll catch you next week after this episode on episode 57. Have a great day. Shani, how you doing, man? I'm all right, man. How you doing, Ty? I'm doing good. I think we should start with a big congrats. Muzzle toe. <laughs> yeah. Number six is here. That's right. Thank you. Number six is wanna, here. I don't want to say much more than that because I think not only should it be your opportunity to share with the world 
what's going on and obviously name and that kind of stuff. But I at least wanted to say congratulations. Well, thank you. Yes. Number six is officially here, born last week. Her name's Amira, Amira Wilson. It's, so we're kind of excited about that. It's our fourth girl. So we were hoping to balance things out three and three, but we're going two boys, four girls. Does Amira have a middle name? Amira Jean, after my mother. So, yeah. She's a cutie. She's tiny. She's like five and a half pounds when she came out. <laughs> Were most of your kids a little bit bigger than that? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, they're all pretty small, relatively speaking, but they're bigger, much bigger than her. Right. So, yeah. But it's good, man. Healthy mom, healthy baby. Can't ask for much more than that. Finishing how's up. She, how's she sleeping? Oh, she's a champ. Really? A champ. Oh, so good. All that melatonin in her formula? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, You know, it's funny. We haven't haven't done formula for any of our babies. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's impressive. Yeah, we just go straight to like steak and potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) Chibani yogurts and steak and potatoes. I, I, obviously, I think this goes for everybody, and it's not to leave anybody out of the conversation, but I would have never been able to relate to what that means before parenthood. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But to know now that there is an enormous difference between feeding a baby formula and breast milk and the level of difference in terms of nutrients and the value of what they get from their mother's milk um, but knowing that the flip side is that that is a very difficult process. It's, it could be very hard for a child to under, to, to figure that out. It's hard for a mother emotionally. Um, and, uh, a number of different things that could kind of veer you off the path of being able to successfully go that route and bring you to using formula quicker. I mean, I know this is not even close to a podcast on fatherhood and parenting, but, it's relevant. Or we just had a baby or breastfeeding. Um, and it, and it's interesting. I mean, we're both fathers. We've both had the experience and you, man, you just, you forget how much you learn, how much you're inundated with. I've only had two, you've had six and, uh, I can't imagine, you know, that time six in terms of the learning process. Although I know, after your first, it's like every other child is like, okay, I've been there, done that. Oh, totally. Yeah, that, that's what I love about it. Like your stress level's so low. Like even so little different. things, like we have a, a blood discrepancy and we have to get a, you know, a Mira new blood test today. And it's like, eh, you take that stuff in stride. You kind of know like all of it works, works itself out. Whereas if it was your first child, you'd be oh, yeah. in your mind. You'd be taking a day off and that would be it. Yep, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's very interesting. I, 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 the old adage. I don't know if it's a, if I'm saying it perfectly, but it, it, it doesn't take away from the meaning that the differences between your your first and any other child is your first child enters an adult world. No matter how much planning you do, no matter how much baby proofing you try to accomplish before the baby arrives, that first child enters an adult world. Mm-hmm. Once that first child comes into your life. That household changes completely, and any child after enters a child's world. And hmm. the difference is stark. I mean, the, the, the second and any other child you have after that first one is benefiting from all of the learning you've done 
everything that first child has broken you in with. And, uh, yeah, they get it easy. I like it. That's good. Um, yeah, I think that's enough said on parenting. I would, I would agree with that. I'm sure <laughs> this is a bit of an escape for you right now. I mean, I know you went back to work, yeah. so your, your little respite vacation is over. But uh, yeah, it is. And, and speaking of that, I'm, I'm actually calling, doing podcasting from the office today. So sorry for the uh, surrounding noises. We'll make the best of it. It's all good. But anyway. Um, let's get into this, man. So I think first and foremost, I mean, you and I are big NBA guys and thankfully yeah. because of paternity leave, I've been able to spend more time watching NBA basketball. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, here we are, we're basically two thirds of the way through the playoffs. We're almost into <laughs> conference championship round. What, what are your, your observations right now? can't say that I'm in a position to really state some observations. I've watched kind of a, a little bit different for me. In the past, I would have kind of chosen a game, maybe a series and stuck with it, and then just watched highlights of whatever else is going on. This year, I've kind of gotten a few minutes here, a few minutes there of, of a lot of different games, which doesn't really give you a lot to go on. Um, yep. I'm aware of what's you know actually happening. And I'll speak to that. I think more than anything, even though I know Houston took Golden State to a Game 7 last year, for some reason my expectations were much lower of Houston this year than they were last year, and I'm surprised to see that they're knotted up at 2. Um, more so surprised from the beginning of the playoffs to now as to how Golden State has looked overall. They've definitely looked more fallible than they have in five years. They just don't look driven to me. They just they look totally like, look like they're checked out. Yeah, they're like they've been out. there, done that. Oh well, type type attitude. Yeah, it's really it's kind of just not fun to watch. It isn't, and and I wonder to what extent some of the talking heads in the sports, you know, radio and TV personality shows, you know, type of thing, um, are are at all accurate when they say things like this is due to either any one of a number of players, Durant included kind of looking already towards which next franchise he'll be playing for and, or Mm. the, the discontent amongst one another, you know, apparently this Durant versus um, Draymond Green thing is pretty significant and hasn't gone away. Yeah. I don't know. It, it seems weird, though. You would think, especially a team that's been together, mm-hmm. that's won multiple championships together, would figure out how to put that aside for the opportunity to win yet another. Agreed. So, yeah. But but so, but we don't know. Is it that or not? I mean, we have no we have no idea. It's all speculative. But it's surprising because it's the same personnel. I mean, the only we all look. Curry's hurt. He's not the same player. Um, and, you know, a guy that size that relies on their speed, quickness, anything that affects that, they don't just lose a step. They lose the entire opening of their game. Yeah, his arsenal's so limited right now. Yeah. It, exactly. It's actually, it, it, that's probably the most 
frustrating part to me about watching the Warriors now is like all you hear about is Durant and a little bit of how Clay Thompson's struggling. It's like you you don't it's not even a factor anymore to hear about Curry. It's kind of weird. It's kind of it's like what, wait, what? Makes, that makes He's the heart no of that sense team. To me. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's just it. Maybe he is truly the heart of that team. And as he goes, they go. But but anyway, um, yeah. So they're tied two two. They play tonight, right? They're back in Golden State. Um, what do, what do you think the outcome of that series ends up being? I mean, I I have a tough time making a call. I I I, I think it depends largely on the health of Curry. Uh, and, and I hate to say this, but I'll say it because uh, you know I, I really dislike watching Houston play basketball. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the ugliest forms of basketball to have to watch. Yep, agreed. Both boring and frustrating. And I do think that they rely a significant amount on the referees. So I'll say my predictions are largely based on what kind of referees show up, which you'll know relatively early in the first quarter. You know, so if there's a number of whistles pretty early, then I'll give the edge to Houston. Okay. Who wins the series right now? Oh, wow. Pick it. Let's hear it. Uh, Golden State. All right. 4-3? Yeah, I'll say game seven. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Denver's up 3-2 on Portland. How are you feeling on Denver's chances? I, I've got a couple things to say about this series, right? Why do we talk about basketball at all when it comes to a podcast about sports cards right so there's obviously the greatest relevance is that they're in the playoffs and if you're one of those johnny on the spot type of guys that both collects and sells or even just focuses entirely on selling um this is one of those times of the year where you're watching a game and you're saying is there a super performance i gotta get this guy's card out there if you have a damian lillard you're putting it up no matter what but let's say you've got a will barton autograph you throw that up there the night that he's having a great game or the morning after he's had a he dropped 30 and had a triple double or close to it you know that those are smart things to do i think teams like denver and portland potentially have the best upside during this time of the year mm-hmm. when typically other than a couple of superstars they may not get much yeah. Hobby Love, not even close to what some of their players deserve, like a Jokic. Right. Um, I'll even go so far as to say like a Jamal Murray, who whose game I really already liked, but I'm liking even more in this playoffs. Um, I think that kid's special. He's a gamer. <laughs> He's just yeah. flat yeah. out a gamer. I, I totally agree with you, man. Like I, I think the playoffs are the time where either the stars – they become even more valuable and they move they move quickly. You can see like Kevin Durant puts five more great performances together, his his you know, his cards continue to climb. But like a Jamal Murray, if you if you are a Johnny on the spot, like you said, th- this there's no better time to sell Jamal Murray right than right now. He, Absolutely. He may never hit the peak that he's hitting right now. And rightfully so. Best example for me in basketball is going back a few years when Della Vadova was playing for Cleveland. And he had those few games where he came out and just fouled a couple of guys really hard, had a couple of points, but obviously won both the Cleveland fans and the national viewing audience over for his hustle. 
and you saw his cards go from a couple bucks to 30, 40 plus overnight. Now, the sad thing is, I don't even think it was a week later they were going back. <laughs> they were back down to a couple bucks. But that's what it means to be Johnny on the spot. I yeah. mean, Will Barton's cards, 90% of the time, are going to go for pretty low dollar figures. Mm -hmm. But if he has a breakout game, and he's one of these guys that's like that mm -hmm. NBA gold of middle bench. Yep. He's not a middle bench guy. I know that. But I'm yep. talking like in terms of hobby value, middle bench. But, man, I mean – He's always in the mix. He puts up numbers. He's valuable as heck to his team. For sure. You know? Yep. Any any other guys on Portland? I'm not thinking right now very clearly. Any other, anyone other than the obvious Damian uh, – Damon St uh, no. Stoudemire. I was about to say Damon Stoudemire. Hey, that'd be cool. Uh, I mean, yeah. Lillard, of course. I mean, but right. I mean, CJ McCollum has never really had much value. Uh, I mean, from a rookie perspective, there's really no one left in the playoffs that is even worth it. I mean, Simons is a great player for. I mean, it's got a ton of upside for Portland, but he's not playing. Um, right. I think he did play like three minutes the other night, just because they were getting blown out. But uh, yeah, I mean, no, not really. <laughs> yeah. Not anybody else I'm watching. The other so series. Turn it are, back on you. What about you? Asked me for a mm -hmm. prediction in the first one. What about your prediction for this? Series. I think Houston wins in seven. I think Denver wins t uh, tomorrow in this series. I think Denver wins it. Yeah. And then you got the other two series where you know Philly's down. Um, I'm sorry, Philly. Yeah, Philly's down three two to Toronto. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think I think that goes to a game seven. I agree. And I, I mean, that's the toss up to me. That's the series where I just don't know. Can Kawhi put the team on his back in a game seven, or does Joel, you know, Embiid come out and just dominate like he has a couple games? Or does he get another random sickness? <laughs> Isn't it right? That's so strange. <laughs> yeah. But I, I sit here kind of jaw hitting mm -hmm. the floor, just shaking my head, not understanding what's happened to the Celtics this year. No kidding. 3-1 down to Milwaukee. I mean, is, is the I, Greek I freak this it. good? So I, I wasn't sure where you were going to go, and if you hadn't, I was certainly going to step up and say, we can talk all day about what's wrong with Boston, but certainly Milwaukee deserves a ton of credit. And yes, the Greek freak is this good. He is. Yeah. I mean, you look at his stat line just from last game, right? 39 points, 70% shooting. He's hitting... He's shooting 40% from threes, 70% from free throws, 16 boards. The, the guy is doing everything. <laughs> it's unreal. Yeah. And it's not just unreal. I mean, this is one of those situations where what you see is far more amazing than what you read in a stat line. Mm, there are those true. players that put up stats mm -hmm. that you watch the game and you're like, ah. Oh, Good player. Mm -hmm. Then you read the stat line, and it's like, whoa, he did that quietly. Yeah. Complete opposite when it comes to this guy. To be able to stride three-quarters court in basically three steps and dunk at breakneck speed. I mean, there's never been a more fitting nickname. He is a complete totally. freak. Yep. And he is that good. 
I do think there's a couple guys on that squad, maybe really just one, that deserves so much more hobby love, both in terms of, um, you know, so, some of the cards that are out there mm-hmm. and the level of player. And I'm thinking primarily of Chris Middleton. I sure. think that dude is possibly the most, you know, people say that all the time. I'm not going to say the most underrated player because there really are several. But he's definitely one of – he's on the starting five of most underrated players in the NBA. Oh, totally, totally. Here's his stat line for the playoffs. 43% shooting, 48% three-pointers, 91% free throw, averaging 19 points, six boards, four and a half assists a game. I mean, that's just dumb. I mean, realistically, <laughs> on another team, that's easily – the second quote unquote star, right? We always talk about yeah. what 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 an NBA team needs to legitimately win a title is minimum two, maybe three mm-hmm. legit stars. And I think most people look at the Bucks and say, well, they really only have Greek Freak. Yeah. And I'd be the first to jump up and say, on one hand, you're right. But on the other hand, Chris Middleton absolutely should be considered that number two guy. Deserves to be. But no, I get it. He's not. By the vast majority of people and the vast majority of ways you would look at it, he's not that quote-unquote star. But he is. Yeah. The sad thing is, despite all that, I don't see a situation where his value really rises. I don't know if it's because he went to Milwaukee or because he's just one of these unassuming players that doesn't do things in a flashy way. I don't know. This is the uh, s- typical Scottie Pippen treatment. Yeah. You know, it's just, it doesn't, I mean, he's, he's, like you said, he is arguably a top 40, 50 player in the NBA, and it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I think it's probably, I mean, I'm doing this, I'm saying this standing on one foot, but top 40, I think, is a no brainer. It's higher than that. He's, a, he's, you know, he's the best player on a couple of teams in this league. Interesting. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, for sure. Um, so what How badly hurt <laughs> is Boston from this moving forward? I sorry. I apologize. Yeah. For no, and I think that's a, that is a good question. I mean, if you're Boston, I mean, from a hobby perspective, they, they have they've almost become irrelevant this year, and that's a that's a very strong word. I mean, but Tatum is getting no love right now. <laughs> He's getting no love. Hayward. You could argue that he shouldn't be. Yeah, and he shouldn't be. I agree. Gordon Hayward, no love, shouldn't be. And Kyrie Irving is coming off two of the worst performances in his career in the playoffs. Which blows your mind. I mean, you can watch him play, and he'll make a move and finish with a bucket, and you look at that in real time and then in slow-mo, and you're just shaking your head like, that's maybe one of the best plays I've ever seen. <laughs> And then, yeah, yes, I, I, it's hard to understand, and it, it definitely makes me wonder what's the reality of the rumors of you know is this all a, a, a chemistry issue that really starts with Kyrie? Is Kyrie behind closed doors really not committed to this franchise and already thinking about where he's going next? I don't know what to think about it. Yeah, and, and I think hearing that and kind of paralleling that with Golden State, that's what makes me love a team like Denver even more. 
Absolutely. You know, it's like you watch them play, and they remind me of the Spurs like five or six years ago, where they don't have a true star. Jokic is pretty close, but I think he is. I don't think he has, but not star the typical. Power. Right there, you go. There you go. But it's like, gosh, these guys just the chemistry is it's unbreakable right now. Right, it's so fun. But um, I tell you what, it makes me think about one mm-hmm. of the things that's maybe one of the most frustrating aspects of this hobby for me is that issue of investing in a guy, whether it's because you like him and you want to collect him. Or more importantly, for this conversation, you see the value and you know there's either an upside in buying and flipping or even holding a few things and waiting for the value to rise. And that guy, whether it's a Kyrie Irving or a Bryce Harper, changes teams. And this odd phenomenon of... Do I do, do I have the same value in his rookie stuff, if you will, in one uniform when he's now playing in another? And now, with mm-hmm. an example in Kyrie, I've got stuff in two uniforms, and he's about to go play in a third. It's it's such a unique thing that I don't really have an, a way to answer. It's not, and it's not even really a question as much as it is a statement that just frustrates me that. There are these players that have so much value at a certain point in their career, maybe should continue to have value or even grow in value based on their true skill and what they bring to the game, mm-hmm. but they're actually falling in value for these obscure reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think we could probably run numbers on a couple guys like Kevin Durant and maybe even LeBron James this year. I mean, yeah. you, you could. I, mean, I think with James is transcendent this year. You, you make the point of saying this here, it's mm-hmm. less to do with how many teams he's played for and more to do with the fact that it's probably his worst year of his career. Mm-hmm. But, I, I, you know, I would keep him in it for the sake of keeping him in it, and it's interesting to see what the results would be. But I think he's he's the transcendent player of all of these types of issues. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, there are only a few of those guys. There's only, there, what, yeah. two or three of those guys per sport. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, Kevin Durant. You could almost argue is the same way, but I think his values were hurt, and then you parallel oh, that. No, with like, I think his values have been hurt a lot, especially in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then you can look at other sports too. I mean, you if you if anyone expects Odell Beckham Jr. to have prices anywhere close Ooh. to what he was having in New York, you're out of your mind. Yeah, like you just lost the New York collector's base. I mean, you're going to be able to pick up stuff that you didn't think was possible. That's not to mention that there is this hype, and I know we're totally jumping from one topic to another here. That's what we do. You opened the the, the Pandora's box here. All right, quick break. I want to thank the sponsor for today's episode. And if you didn't listen to episode 52, a whopping four episodes ago, you, uh, you didn't hear the interview with Ethan from Prestige Worldwide Cards, and I urge you to go check it out. Uh, Prestige Worldwide is one of the three or four eBay breakers that we absolutely believe in and privileged to have them on the show, privileged to have them as a sponsor. Check them out. They uh, they have a whole crap ton of breaks always running and they are the Wax Pack Kings. If you do not get a hit, you get a sweet Wax Pack, which I love. I love the fact that you get something and you get to open something if you don't hit anything and 
um, for my kids when they want to spend money on their own breaks. Uh, for them, that's a, that's a huge win. So can't recommend them enough. Go listen to the episode, hear how they began their origin story and why they're such cool guys and fun guys to go invest your money with. Check them out. Prestige Worldwide Cards. You can find them on eBay, PWW Cards. So go to their eBay or go to Google, type Prestige Worldwide Cards. You'll you'll see them, their website. You'll also see the Breaker Culture links and uh, go take advantage of the cool stuff, the great breaks, the awesome products, and the fun people they are. Back to the show. Cleveland, on one hand, is completely understandable. They've got something on paper that is exciting. But we take it so far. And we start making these comments that are so crazy and outlandish. Like, people are talking about Cleveland being the hands-down winner of the AFC North already. It's done. You realize that? They've They've already won the AFC North, by the way. I'm just making sure you're aware. I, I want to preface everything you're saying right now by reminding people of how I know you were gonna much say, of a homer you are to Pittsburgh. Oh, whatever. But don't, <laughs> you don't think everyone in the country is saying to themselves, Baker Mayfield's about to be a second-year quarterback. They still only – how many games did they win last year? Six, maybe seven? I don't know. Which is what, substantial. I mean, let's not, let's not write that them, off. It's, it was, considering they had an Ofer year just a couple years ago. <laughs> but – what are the expectations? If the expectations are to win one more game than they did last year, I have no problem with it. Saying they're hands down the AFC North winners and they're going to basically be in the Eastern Conference Finals is just nuts. I mean, there are people talking about them already making the Final Four of the NFL. and That's just nuts. Yeah, I, I agree. It's getting a little hyped. Especially based on a wide receiver. But, I mean, look, they, won, they were 7-8. and eight. They... They added a lot of talent, and their their pretty impressive rookie quarterback is going to be in his sophomore year. So for I think the Vegas line is eight wins, right? Is it eight or nine? I think Vegas is saying eight wins. That's not a stretch. That makes total sense. That's one yeah. more than last year. Yeah. You hear some of these guys out of ESPN saying they're the hands-down AFC North winners. Do you think eight wins gets you the AFC North? Well, I mean, what? Ten wins got it last year with the Ravens. Um, that's, so that's, no. too, that's too huge. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So I just think I, yeah. it's, it's a hype train that's gotten a little bit out of control. Um, and and let's face it, typically when we talk about a team that's made the kind of changes necessary to go from a you know sub five hundred record to playoffs and beyond, it's it's not just an even if it is an Odell Beckham, it's not just a wide receiver. And I know that that's not the only move they made. Sure. There's a couple others. But Cleveland. We just can't we, we can't let you talk about Cleveland. It just can't be done. <laughs> uh, I'll say this much. I I'm not sure if I were a betting man that I'd be putting money on the Steelers either. Sure. Now, there's not much left to consider, and maybe that's why some of these people are a little <laughs> sounding a little crazy, but maybe have a little bit of something to say because the AFC North is having one of its real downturns overall mm. as a division. So. Yeah. 
Anyway, well, let, let's on going straight to the NFL. For well, let's let's talk about the NFL for a minute. I mean, we just had okay. the draft. I mean, you know, I, I, I threw a question out on Twitter because we knew we were going to be talking about the NFL a little bit. You know, if you if you had to invest a thousand dollars in any one of the 2019 NFL rookie quarterbacks, which quarterback do you invest in? So you got Kyler Murray drafted first to Arizona, Daniel Jones drafted to the Giants, Dwayne Haskins to Washington, and then Drew Locke to Denver. I, I, I'm kind of I'm intrigued by what everyone's saying. 37% of people say they would invest their $1,000 in Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I, I, that's the one thing that surprised me the most about that poll, for sure. I don't know if that means there are that many people that believe in him mm-hmm. or that many Redskins fans. Um, I don't know what the total number of responses were. So you're, what's, we really threw it out there. There's 63 votes out there, so it's somewhat relevant. I mean, I, yeah. I think we, we talked about this before. I mean, you, you're talking about $1,000. It's kind of when you're investing in a player, it's it's all kind of the playing field is neutralized because – Thousand dollars for Kyler Murray's is about the same as a thousand dollars for Haskins because the market's going to price them where they should be right at the beginning. But Haskins, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I think DC is so, and Redskins fans in general, they're they're so desperate for a good QB, and. I, I don't I, look. I, I feel like Alex Smith has taken it on the head his whole career as like the epitome of game manager that nobody gets excited about. Um, but there's something to be said for that, right? Well, he doesn't have a knee. He doesn't have either of his knees right now, does he? <laughs> you know what? I didn't realize that. So he's like a definite non-starter. Well, no, I'm, I'm not saying that. But I mean, but you saw, you remember his injury from last year, right? I mean, it was yeah, one of the yeah, worst injuries yeah, ever. I forgot. Um, so I, I, th- I think maybe where people are coming from is maybe Dwayne Haskins is the one guy you can count on starting. Well, we know Kyler Murray's going to start too, but he's yeah. going to be priced so high that maybe it doesn't make sense to invest in him right now. So why, why don't you rank? Let's rank the top five. I would be more afraid that a guy like Kyler Murray is such a hype train based on so little that he comes out if he doesn't – really do something. I'm not saying he has to light the world on fire, but if he doesn't do something decent in those first couple games, his prices are going to fall so hard and fast mm-hmm. that your investment just, it, it could have never seemed appropriate. Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. I know that there's a cop. It seems like a cop out. It's going to sound like a cop out, but it is my honest answer. If you gave me this question, I would tell you I'm taking that thousand dollars and investing it in the NBA. That's not that's not an option. <clears throat> so, I would rank, rank your five. So, Let's include Will Greer in there, the West Virginia quarterback, because he was the next one drafted. What what? How do you rank those five? If you're spending, you have to spend a thousand dollars on investing in one of those quarterbacks. How do you rank them? Ugh. This is so hard for me. I'll give you my five while you're thinking. Yeah, I mean it, it's good. Got it. Uh, I, I invest number one in Drew Locke. Oh. Um, and we, I mean, you know I'm a Mizzou guy, but yeah. I would invest in him mainly because of him being in Denver, a good market, and him having basically the best raw tools in the draft, and he's going to sit out a year. I love when rookie quarterbacks get a year to sit out. You can, It's good value for you, and uh, they get to mature. It's great. Uh, number two, I would invest in Kyler Murray. <laughs> 
Number three, I'd go Will Greer. Then I'd go Dwayne Haskins. And then I'd go Daniel Jones. Hmm. So that's my so five. Do we have any word as to what the Giants saw in Daniel Jones? Um, <laughs> what I heard was it was the closest to a Manning, you know, Eli Peyton Manning mix because he, he's super close to the Mannings. It's such a weird reason to take another. Isn't it? Pick. It's just like, oh my gosh. I don't get it. You traded that for him. It, I think it's going to go down as one of the worst picks in NFL draft history. <laughs> I don't get it at all. It makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, he is a tall, athletic kid. I, and there's a billion of those players out there. That's right. Um, I mean, there's no reason for me to rank it, being that you've taken that task for both of us. I, I honestly look at this class as a weaker-than-average QB class. Mm-hmm. I think Murray has the chance to be an exciting guy but truly doesn't have the pocket passer type of mold, you know, that he's not coming from that to where right. he's going to be that. You know, the, the, basically Arizona is saying we didn't like Rosen, even though he could have been the pocket passer that a pro team needs. So we'll cut our losses and learn quick from that mistake and go with a guy that will maybe put some butts in seats, sell some tickets, make it exciting yeah. until we can find the real pro-level quarterback. That To me, that's what – I feel like the experiment over the last several years with the non-traditional pocket passer is kind of a little bit over. RG3, Russell Wilson exceeded far beyond what most people thought was possible, but I think people now say he broke the mold and is unique and it's going to be a real hard task for many folks to find a guy like him. That we understand you need a pocket passer. If you get a guy that happens to have some legs, great. But the run first or even run second type of quarterback that's super athletic, it's just not really what we're looking for. Yeah, I, I, I guess I would disagree with that a little bit. I, think. I mean, you have Mahomes, so it's a little bit of a story, but I would argue that Mahomes starts as a great pocket passer. Oh, 100%. He is not a running quarterback. He's a mobile quarterback. He's not a run quarterback. That's it. That's the way to put it. That's good yeah. language to use. The yeah. difference between running quarterback and mobile. Yeah. And athletic. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would agree a little bit, but I would disagree. that I don't think Arizona is looking at this as a bridge pick. You don't make your number one pick your quarterback unless you believe that he's your franchise guy and you trade your your other lottery pick from last year you just made i think they see him as a russell wilson and that's you, uh, you know, so that's fair but you do say that with a certain level of confidence that these are guys that you trust that the front office of all of these professional teams is made up of guys that you would really value sure. in terms of their intelligence and business savvy <laughs> I don't. I certainly, after the many years that I've been watching sports, paying attention to drafts and moves, I think there are far more GMs of professional teams, regardless of sport here, that are guided more so for self-preservation than they are for winning. 
So, I mean, I do think I have to say in that breath, I think that the self-preservation move for Arizona would have been to keep Rosen, trade away the first pick, get as much value as you can, and still get some good players to plug the many holes that you have. But that's not exciting. That's not sexy. That doesn't that doesn't sell newspapers or tickets. Yeah. So. Well, I think ultimately at the end of the day, these are businessmen, and winning doesn't necessarily mean they make money. And right. it obviously helps, but they have That's to figure out a way to right. sell tickets. Yeah. So I, I mean, point. I guess I get it. Um, we were we were talking beforehand, and I we both agree that this class, outside of the quarterbacks, just in general, it is just one of the. It's just. Very, meh. Yeah, very meh. Yeah, I mean, what is it like? Out of the first twenty pits, picks, it was like sixteen defensive players, seventeen. And you know players. what? It's it's important to say that you know there are two sides of the ball, and defense is just as important, if not totally. more so, in some cases. And if but you not have to be the guy that really loves defense, good for you. Exactly, you took the words right out of my mouth. It doesn't move the hobby. I mean, there are some people out there that, despite the lower value of defensive players. They get excited about collecting defense. And I, I happen to be one of them because the Steelers are so often focused on defense. I love getting my Steelers guys. But that's that's a very collector's inner kind of thing. It's not, it's not about making money or, mm-hmm. or, or making good investment. That's just, you know, really more than anything a guilty pleasure. Right. Um, I mean, I'm super excited about Devin Bush at number 10. But and I'll be buying some of his stuff, but you know that's not with any intention of ever looking to sell, <laughs> you know, or make any money off of that kind of thing. Well, so you, yeah, you're going to make so much money off of Mason Rudolph; it doesn't even matter. Yeah, <laughs> hey, that's still a possibility, man. Still a possibility, you know. And I, had, I, I don't think I told. Yeah, I did tell you. I was lucky enough to hit in a group break of select football. Mm-hmm. The one of one golden black Mason Rudolph shield NFL shield auto. Yeah, you told me that's that's an amazing pretty, card. Pretty awesome hit. Now, I was smart enough. Uh, maybe you would argue it's not so smart because if I really believe that he's the future, I should have held on to it. But I think those kind of cards, you're hard pressed to have them hold their value unless it's like a Luca type of player. Mm-hmm. So I got rid of it pretty quickly. And was pretty happy with the return I got on it. What'd you sell for? Um, five and a quarter. Nice. Uh, I would take that all day long. Yeah. All yeah. day long. Um, let's stop talking about the football. The, 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 the football. The NFL. The football. The, the sport of football. It's hard, you know, especially <laughs> the in the offseason, even though the NFL draft just happened. It's hard to get excited when... It is kind of a meh class, and I think it, it. We can transition this way by saying, you know, I, I think this is one of those situations. Starting with this year, when I say this year, I'm talking about this past season of 2018 into 19, going forward with this 2019 draft going into 2020. Um, it's already started, and we're going to continue to see a relatively down rookie class that doesn't do any favors for the hobby. And if it does anything for the hobby, it drives the divide that I see. And I think we've talked about it enough that you, I can speak for you and you, you see it as well. 
that is tipping the, the, the weight of this hobby far more in the direction of baseball and basketball than football. Yeah, and I think it's good. I think it's very good because I think what ends up happening is if a company like Panini sees that on the back end with all their analytics and the data they see from sales, they make products better. And when they make products cool. better, it leads into good, eventually leads into good rookie classes, which next year's rookie class with Trevor Lawrence and Tua from Alabama. Right. Uh, if, if you have good products and print runs are a little lower because of just the way things work itself out, I think it's a great thing for the hobby. That's what you need. You need kind of a reset. And hopefully that's what we see with a down year this year. It, it, you make a very good point, and I just don't need to repeat, but just emphasize that you, you, by conjuring those two names, especially Lawrence, you do have a class coming in next year that should change the momentum of what we've been riding for the last couple. Oh, totally. Trevor Lawrence is the Zion Williamson of football. I agree. He's the once-in-a-generation quarterback, kind of like I Andrew Luck, so I, I cannot wait for that. Do we see... What we have seen in the uh, NBA, which I, I know frustrates a lot of people with this concept of tanking for draft picks, it's a much, much more difficult beast in the NFL. Mm. But do we see a couple of bottom-feeding teams that it's clear are just not going to compete for anything, just say, screw it, let's go over and win the Trevor Lawrence lottery? Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's the good thing, though, is you, you don't just have Trevor Lawrence. Right, Tua. Yeah, I mean, Tua's legit. I mean, you're talking about two of the better quarterbacks to ever come out of the – not ever – to come out of the draft in the last decade. I mean, teams like Oakland, you know, and, and Jacksonville, perennial losers, the Bengals, who are going to need quarterbacks. Right. I mean, Bills, I mean, how, how do they not find a way to strategically lose games? Or or, you get, or maybe you end up seeing like some of the better trades to move up to get some of these guys. I don't know, but I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. You you would have thought it's interesting because again it goes back to the comparison of sports in in the NBA. You would see teams making moves to already start stockpiling assets mm -hmm. like Ainge has done for so many years mm -hmm. in preparation for a specific draft for a specific player. Yeah. Um, I can't say that I've seen any moves in the NFL that make me think, oh, that's in preparation for the 2020 draft. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's because I haven't paid attention as closely. Maybe that is really already happening. I wonder if there are any moves in this draft that I just didn't recognize were in preparation to try to get Trevor Lawrence. It's interesting to think about. It is interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess in the same breath, I can't really say that I noticed anything so far that was an obvious in-prep move for Zion. But you know that's definitely happening. It's been happening for a while now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. Yeah, that is a good point. That'll be fun to talk about in the coming weeks. Um, let's let's shift to one more sport that is relevant. A sport called America's Pastime, baseball. I put a, I put a question up on Twitter yesterday, and I thought this was interesting. And I'll ask you because I'm I'm guessing you probably didn't see it. 
but I actually did see it, okay. but I don't remember it, so I do need to be. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you, you can only invest in one BGS 10 Bowman rookie auto of one of these four players. Which do you pick? Ronald Acuna Jr., Cody Bellinger, Shohei Otani, or Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Which one do you pick? One BGS 10. Bowman and it's, rookie It's Otani, Guerrero. Bellinger, and Acuna Jr. Oh, wow. That's a really hard question to answer. That's shocking. That's a really hard question to answer. Well, the, we have 232 votes. 48% of people said they would invest in Ronald Acuna Jr. Huh. And then it's basically split almost evenly amongst the other three. Which to me is interesting because Vladimir Guerrero has been, I mean, blowing up the market the last 9 to 12 months. Right, but when you compare him to th- the three others, like he, I mean, I think that the, the hobby—I mean, two and thirty-two votes—is significant, and these are all hobby people. Most of them agree. You know what? He's just kind of blah. He's just kind of—it's okay. <laughs> I don't get that because what I'm hearing, not seeing, but hearing, is that this guy's got generational power. Yes. And we haven't talked about Vlad Guerrero Jr. much. No. But here's – I'm not a fan of him. I would never okay. invest money in him. And my Explain. biggest my biggest concern with him is his body type. Pudgy? Very pudgy. Reminds me of Pablo Sandoval. And, I mean, just I, – I can already picture next year him coming the, – the, the buzz is going to be, hey, he came into spring training overweight. you know and i mean when all you got is power not that it doesn't sell in the hobby it's just it does it does does sell but i think this day and age with all of the metrics five tool players guys that are younger and can do a lot they 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 just have more value i mean there's a reason why otani has such Incredible. There's a reason why Ronald Acuna Jr. has such a crazy value. I mean, and it's so significant here. He does everything well. Right. So I, I don't know. I think if you were thrown up, I just other heard guys, things about Guerrero that I, that's why it surprises me that the divide is so wide. That he is the primary prospect that people are most excited for. It's primarily about his power that people are excited for him, and. That you know, from, from comments from teammates, that they can't wait to see him because they've seen and heard about his production. Um, that's why it surprises me. I will say the pudginess thing is actually interesting. I've looked at him a couple times and thought, hmm, this guy doesn't. He, you hear the hype and then you see him for the first time, and it's like, oh, I kind of expected a ripped dude. <laughs> And he's pudgy and looks kind of out of shape. But, you know, <laughs> A, baseball is that sport that you can kind of get away with it. And B, he's of the age where he that literally could still be baby fat. Yeah, that's I mean, that's true. There's probably, yeah, maybe. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think, oh, look, look, I'm not trying to say that he's going to, you know, all of a sudden in three years be that shredded guy. I don't think we'll ever see that. But in better shape. I mean, his dad wasn't 
out of shape looking. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, his dad is only one half of his genetic makeup, but you know. sure. He's, I mean, he's 6'2", 250. He's 20 years old, just turned 20. So, yeah, I mean. It's interesting. He's, he's not 5'8". Yeah, I, and I think you, I think you have a really good point in that. I think in years past, power was given a lot more stead, and and now, and maybe for a little while now, with metrics and so much deeper level information, that multi-tool player is understood to be a better investment, mm-hmm. um, and that makes sense. If Otani wasn't so hurt, maybe he had. A, gotten a few more votes if he had played more over the past bit although he is older and i think people realize that that high that hype train was really crazy mm-hmm. um can you make sense i will say though the other name that really hasn't been part of the conversation other than that you listed him cody bellinger is legit and he's in la oh for sure yeah i, I mean if, if you're looking at like opportunities to invest, like investing in Cody Bellinger last year would have been one of the best investments you could have made. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, real quick, just to close a loop on Guerrero, I do think maybe the timing of that question is played into what the market thinks. I mean, because what he's played, what, 10 games? And he's, he's actually not right. doing that well. He's striking out like a third of the time. And he's batting like 150. So may, maybe just him coming in People are used to like the Juan Sotos and Ronald Acuna Juniors and Otani's coming in. Fernando Tatis this year, who they came in just blazing hot as a rookie. So if he if he rattles off ten homers in the next fifteen games, I bet you thirty five percent of people would say they'd invest in Guerrero. <laughs> right. And if you have Guerrero, don't fire Salem just because he has a bit of a slump. I mean, mm-hmm. God, the guy is a rookie. Yeah. I mean. He's faced great pitching, but let's face it, this is the first time he's facing true major-level pitching every night in front of tens of thousands. Mm, very true. Very true. Um, real quick, I mean, what, what else has stuck out to you from from Major League Baseball? Anything? I mean, how, how are your, uh, how are your buyers doing? Yeah. Uh, honestly... I, I have a tough time getting into baseball until the weather is enough that I can go and sit for a game with my kids without having to put a sweatshirt on or anything mm. like that. You know, it's like for me, baseball starts when the weather has hit consistent 70s all day, mm-hmm. every day. Um, so, yeah, being that it's my least favorite sport, I, it, you know, I, I, I pay enough attention here and there to know that they're on a losing streak or a winning streak or something like that. But yeah, you would, you would kind of say that maybe your friendly neighborhood podcast co-host would pay closer attention. But honestly, I'll I'll tell you this much. What I can tell you is that in the hobby this year, the pirates have a couple of rookies in Kevin Kramer and Kevin Newman who have some promise, but aren't very exciting. And we have gone from having the likes of a McCutcheon and an outfield that was really exciting with Marte and Polanco to basically having nothing at all to be excited about in this hobby with the exception of a couple of prospects. So, you know, yeah, I know people listening are going to say, whoa, we got Kyle Mitchell. We got 
keep Ryan Hayes and mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, prospect wise, there's always going to be something to be excited about. But you know, with our regular team, with regular non-prospect baseball coming from tops, mm-hmm. there's not going to be much to get excited about this year. With you know, with the exception of you've got your products that have that veteran presence. And really, I shouldn't even say that your legend presence. So you know, you'll have your Clemente and Hannes Wagner cuts in triple threads or whatever. So that's you know, you're trying to buy a lottery ticket. At least the pirates are cheap. Okay. look the truth is I say that and I know it's myopic and focused only on one team but the truth is that's probably the reality for a good third of the teams in a product break across the hobby and just a good quick hit to think about if you know let's face it we we are breaker culture and ultimately our audience thinks about group breaks and buying spots Mm -hmm. and you know that's those are one of those are those important factors you've got to consider Mm mm-hmm um, you know, you've got a couple of interesting new products coming. Uh, leather and lumber from Panini is around the corner. Unless, if you're not looking to invest in one of the more expensive teams, and you either just want your hometown team or a cheaper than average team, you know, don't fret. You still have some legend stuff to get excited about. Uh, yeah. I guess it's a factor. factor. Yeah, I I guess. Especially with the non-licensed Panini stuff, because they know they can't get people excited about other stuff. So they rely heavily on this legend kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I guess because we got we got Prism coming out too, right? Which had a couple years hiatus, so that's it's coming back for the first time in a bit. Well, they moved it out of Chronicles, right? They moved it into its own product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which. I mean, I I think that's a factor of Panini saying, okay, now we have we have the power potential, the market knows and believes in Prism, and the market itself is so hot right now. Yeah. Why not take a shot at this? Well, and they've done standalone Prism baseball for many years. Um, just kind of took their foot off the brake, off the gas with it, like you said, put it as a one of many other products in Chronicles. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think you're absolutely right. What are we doing here? Yeah, we can. I mean, it's a cash grab in some ways, but it's a cash grab with a product that a lot of people know and love from other sports. And yep. I can't imagine there are that many people. Maybe I, I, don't, I shouldn't say it that way. Let's turn this into a statement. If you're jumping into prison baseball, I get it. I'll probably do the same. I like shiny stuff. However, don't get overly excited about potential value coming out of it. Prison baseball historically is petering in terms of value, not much greater than Donruss paper. It's bad. Yeah. It's just bad, period. Yeah. But there's a cult kind of following to it. People love it. I I do understand why. Just make sure your expectations are in check. Yeah. You're this (laughs) – Last year taught me a hard lesson in that you can you can hit some of the best cards in a Panini baseball product and you'll still lose money. <laughs> you, I mean, you will. Yeah. Um, you, the reason you buy Panini baseball is because you like the looks of it and you yeah. like your teams. You like collecting cards as a 
collector, as a hobbyist. Yeah. Do not go in with the intention of even no. computing a ROI. You know, it's like right. you're just going to be disappointed. But, um, yeah. You yeah, know, especially if you're talking case breaker level. Yeah. Flipping. Oh, my God. Horror. Yeah, for, forget about it. Forget about it. You're in for a rude awakening. Um, have you been breaking any baseball products at all? Have you opened anything? A little bit. Okay. Um, I've grabbed a couple blasters of Diamond Kings. Uh, I, I, I've talked many times about how much I love Court Kings basketball and that mm-hmm. artistic painted look. So that carries over into Diamond Kings. And, yep. um, I've liked Diamond Kings a lot more in years past. I think the content has decreased even further in value, which I don't understand how Panini can justify in any baseball product. Once you have established a certain expectation in a product, how can you as Panini take some of that value away? And what I mean by that is much fewer numbered cards, um, much fewer hits in retail. I, I think Diamond Kings this year, which was already a product that was teetering on the precipice, has since fallen off of it. And uh, it's a little bit sad because I think it's a nice-looking product, but it's no more than that, and it never was. And Panini makes these strategic decisions to maybe save some money on one product to, I don't know, bring out Prism again. I don't, I, I won't profess to know all of these things, but it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I actually think you'd be smarter as a company to focus entirely on the pro, on the on the sports and products for which you have licenses then come half ass with it. That's exactly why I have so much respect, so much more respect for tops. Right. They just keep making really, really good baseball products. Yeah. Then right. that's, they know that's their sweet spot. You know, and it's funny. I, that was going to be one of my topics for an upcoming conversation um, with whatever breaker we talk to, you know, we've been doing some of this whole capitalism. How do you run businesses in the hobby? And if my one piece of advice to anybody that's getting in the hobby to make money, either a breaker or a flipper, it would be figure out what you can specialize in. I couldn't agree more. The more broad you become in this hobby, the less relevant you are. Like that's where, like if you, if you'd appoint to any of these good breakers, I think you could probably find a time where they figured out who they really are, what makes them unique. And they just capitalized on the specialization. Right. So that so total side note there, but it's one no, of the, I, the I rants I want to get on. And I even as recently as this past week had an experience getting into a couple of um, basketball basketball breaks. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe my mind has been so set and established on what you and I agree with being that basketball is king that it makes me forget that there are some breakers out there that really focus entirely on football and baseball and basketball is a distant third for them. And I jump into a break with one of those types of breakers and they're not pronouncing names of NBA players correctly. And it's like, what? I don't get it. And it's not difficult names. Yeah. It's not Nikola Jokic, you know? Which isn't really even that hard, but at least it's foreign. Nikolai Jokic. Yeah, it's I. It just shocks me, and it's like, I mean, I don't even know if I'm glad I got a decent deal on the team that I grabbed in your break because 
I'm sitting here having to listen to you murder this. <laughs> and not only that, like it's so clear that you you didn't even care to look at a checklist beforehand. Like this is you're selling a product, right? You might think that as the breaker, you the product isn't yours and that's Panini's product and you just have to open it. Mm-hmm. Now, ultimately, if it's, a, you know, if the break is bad and the hits are bad, and all that, no, one, no one should hold that against you as the breaker, but it's still the product that you're sending to your customer. Mm-hmm. Yes, the product is partially a number of different things that you, you know, it's maybe hard to like put your finger on, but it's certainly what you're opening and what you're holding in your hands and speaking about if you can't say the name correctly, if you, I don't know, just pet peeve, I guess. But. No, we we talk about that a lot, and I think that does go back to specialization. That is figure figure out what you're good at. What do you want? What do you kind of default to when you have spare time? And what do you like to watch? And take advantage of that because people are drawn to expertise. Right. That's the, the flip sure. side of this conversation. I shouldn't say it's the flip side of the conversation. It's the flip side of my example. Really, is that there's a breaker that I really enjoy have for a while and he has gone to more and more specialization in soccer and I would think although I have no way of knowing this because I'm not interested in it that he's probably one of the biggest breakers of soccer products out there and as much as I'm disappointed in that because I have much less to be able to get into it with him being that I like him as a breaker, but I'm both happy for him that he's found his thing and for the hobby that they've got a guy to go to for soccer. It's good for everyone. Even though (laughs) I may not be interested in it, I could see the value in it for him and for his customers. And so it just, you know, reinforces your point. And yeah, I think the school of thought that I've got to be everything to everybody was disproven long ago. And if you're that breaker who's still trying to be everything to everybody, you're nothing to nobody. <laughs> there you go. Well said. Well said. Uh, on that note, let's shift to our uh, headline reactions to ESPN. Let's do it. You good? Um, all right. Let me pull it up. First one. Shohei Otani is 0 for 4 in a season debut last night. Hmm. <laughs> hmm, interesting. Uh, my reaction to that is, first off, welcome back, Otani. Uh, <laughs> super good to have you back. As if the hobby needed you. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think my reaction is, uh, Next. Yeah, well, the thing the thing about that is, uh, I, I am very interested to see how he does as a just a DH because he's not going to pitch this year. He's not going to play in the field. Coming off Tommy John and just transitioning to just a DH, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how the hobby responds to that. You're right. Yeah. It is so, um, and I hope it doesn't tank his value for the sake of the hobby. You don't like baseball anyway. I'm this also glad. Yeah, no. I mean, but I hope for the <laughs> sake of the hobby, I open enough. I even get into some group breaks. Um, and I don't want to see his values tank. At the same time, I never held on to anything Otani for this reason. You know, not only this reason. I thought this is a hype 
trained, but not entirely because the guy clearly has some value. But even if he's great at both pitching and hitting, some of these numbers were just so outstanding that sure. I have a tough time seeing. How you know, he, he has to win multiple championships and make the Hall of Fame as a first ballot guy to justify this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, you could argue the same for Luka Doncic. But uh, anyway, we're, we'll, we'll try to keep this to 30 seconds. I'm okay. the worst at this. Uh, Chicago White Sox, Tim Anderson, says bat flips bring fun to the game. This is in reference to him continuing to flip his bat and stare down pitchers. But what are your thoughts on that? Grow up. What's that? Same grow up. Oh, interesting. You're an old school guy. I thought you would be in agreement with this. No, 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 but it's not – it's actually not an old-school mentality. It's more like – I actually have no problem with bat-flipping, and I think that the the old-school mentality is kind of silly, and people should all wake up and realize that the flair and the color to the game is good for the cameras. But if – the current state of the game is such that by doing something, you're going to create a fight. Then grow up. The, if you're bat flipping and you're staring is going to cause fights, then do something else to stand out. Or just be okay with getting plunked. But, but <laughs> I guess my point to that is, I think back to my high school days, college days of playing ball, having friends and being involved in sports. And, the, you know, we all knew guys that took the competition of sports to that next level of, of, of inciting violence. And it's like I see that as such a high school thing. Come on. It's not what I want my kids to see. And it's like, I, again, I, I, I'm, what I'm saying is I wish nobody had a problem with bat flipping. I think it looks kind of cool. It adds some color. There's some personality there. The staring thing I think has no place in the game. Get over that. That's just respect your fellow man, let alone player. Don't stare somebody down because you just got the best of them. Have some respect. Okay. To me, maybe that is old school, but I definitely, definitely believe in that. Um, and you know, we both have kids in sports right now. If my kid does something good on the field or in the game, in, the, in whatever sport it is on the court, whatever, and, and he, he does some type of celebration thing, usually I'm like, dude, I like the whole act like you've been there kind of thing, you know, relax, <clears throat> enjoy it. Don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. That's, that's how you sum it all up. I think it's perfect. Uh, X Packers general manager. Uh, Ted Thompson reveals he has health issues. He's 66 oh. years old. Bummer. That it? Do we know what the health issues are? Um, they are like autoimmune disorders or something like that. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things that could be really bad and life-altering to the point of even potentially loss of life or just a, such a nuisance that he's on multiple meds and never really experiences life the same way again either which way that really sucks yeah for sure um next uh hmm. georgia runner impaled by javelin and has Whoa. surgery 
<laughs> you don't you don't read something like that very often. Freshman oh. sprinter Elijah Good uh, Godwin had surgery after falling backward onto a javelin during practice. Oh my god! Holy moly! Yeah. They had to grind out the javelin. Whoa! Oh man, that's bad. that sounds horrible. That sounds awful. My gosh! Who knew that a track and field practice environment was so dangerous? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, from watching, going down one of those stupid YouTube rabbit holes, I did know that. I've seen these videos of like runners in the midst of a, a heat in a sprint bowling over, you know, some little kid that was supposed to be keeping time and wasn't paying attention and veered off into the, someone's lane, you know, or yep. someone doing the triple jump. And, you know, some random person walking across their lane because they didn't realize that while the event that was taking place that they were watching, at the same time, there were other events happening on the infield. Um, so there's some good YouTube clips about that kind of stuff. But inhaling? <laughs> oh, man. Actually, yeah. I think that's my next YouTube search. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well. Shoveling impaling. Yeah, there you go. I hope, I hope you guys fun. are right. Just – Flip on the movie 300 or Gladiator and you'll get enough of that. Yeah, there's enough impaling in those. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Butler, after 76 or 36 point loss, says, we laid an egg. Quote. Yeah, you think? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they better not lay an egg to tomorrow. Right. <laughs> you definitely can't blame the process anymore, guys. No doubt. Jimmy Butler's gone. There's no way. I don't think he lasts there. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and where does he go, though? I mean, my gosh, the guy just can't seem to fit in anywhere he goes. It's strange. You know, I listened to him on um, – what is the name of the podcast? I think it's called Knuckleheads. Hmm. Have you listened to that? No. It's uh, Darius Miles. No, excuse me. So there is an NBA podcast with Darius Miles and Quincy – Quentin Richardson hosting both recent ex-NBA players and talking to current NBA players. It, it, I enjoy it to some degree. You know, they, they, I, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, but no, this was actually not theirs. It was the J.J. Redick podcast. And he had Jimmy Butler on as his new teammate. So obviously it wasn't just the other day because they're in the midst of the playoffs. They're not mm -hmm. going to be doing a podcast now. So it was probably – probably it was six weeks ago or something like that, and I just listened to it recently, catching up on it. He, he sounded like a decent guy. However, I will say this. There was a point at which Reddick took the time to dig a little bit deeper with, with Butler and say and ask questions regarding, you know, how you're viewed in this league and by the media. And... At that point, Butler was kind of like putting out the attitude that it's like, hey, I'm a really competitive guy, and I don't have time to sugarcoat stuff. And if I'm yelling at you and I'm not saying something exactly how you want to hear it, get over it. That, I, 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 there, so there is a level at which I understand that at the fast-paced play of an NBA game, 
you probably have to get to that point with your teammates. But the way this guy's talking, it's like, well, I have license to say whatever I want, whenever I want, regardless of how new I am to you as your teammate. And I, at the same time, kind of got the impression that, but that doesn't mean you can talk back to me the same way. And that, that he held the double standard because I've already proven myself and I'm a superstar. Yeah. You have to listen to me, but I don't have to listen to you. Sure. And I don't know. I mean, who knows what if that's my read was appropriate. I, I didn't come away from listening to him thinking, oh, man, that guy's a jerk. But I definitely came away from it thinking the guy's an enormous egomaniac and he thinks that he deserves a different level of treatment than his compatriots do. He sees that there should – he in his mind, there should be a double standard and that obviously he's on the higher end of that. Hmm. So that's not great. Yeah, it's not. What's also not great is your time, your sense of time in these rapid-fire questions. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> You're right. I, I, I'll take the L on that one. My bad. That artists need to take the rapid fire out of the, uh, the yeah, subtitle. There's no rapid in this fire. <laughs> this is a slow burn. Oh, my gosh. Uh, no, it's good, man. It's good. Um, you know, I will I will end our podcast today in saying that I, I did get a chance to go see the, the last Avengers movie. Thank And uh, like, I don't want to give you spoilers for those that haven't seen it, but I Actually, was – really really impressed yeah I thought it was I mean it was three hours long so I was thinking goodness gracious but you didn't feel like it was three hours long and I just thought they did such a tasteful job on about every piece of it that uh yeah loved it I loved it absolutely loved it I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I saw I saw it mm-hmm. but I didn't it was three hours long after about an hour and 20 minutes I fell asleep and that's not to say that it's a sleeper by any means. I was tired. I had my two boys. And I've, I guess my age is starting to show itself. I mean, I, I was tired and I just nodded off. It had nothing to do with the movie, in my opinion. Because um, the parts that I saw, I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But I need to go back and see it again. Ultimately, it's bringing me to this comment. Movies should not be three hours long anymore. Oh, please, no. Are you saying you agree or you don't agree? No, I disagree. Yeah, I, I, that's fine. You have every right to disagree. In my opinion, that's two one-and-a-half-hour movies, and it's perfect. <laughs> oh, my goodness, no. That's what, Net, that's what Netflix is for. If I'm going to the movies and it's an event for me and I'm, pin, I'm paying $16 a ticket, right? You can, make it, you can make it three hours if you want. Yeah. So I don't, I, mean, have to, I don't have to wait a year to go see the final half of it. Yeah, then it would have been a three-parter. I mean, I look, I, you're not saying anything that I can disagree with other than, for me, three hours just doesn't work. I can't, yeah. make, I, I can't make it through it. Yeah. Well. You know? Send me over a couple of uh, uppers, maybe. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Kids, cover your ears. Um, all right. Well, that's all I got for you. It was good to talk to you, man. Good to talk to you. We'll, we'll talk and next week. Congrats again with the baby. Send my love to your wife. Love, love. All right, brother. Peace. See you. See you. Bye.